0: This is your host, Nisa Harris, and you are listening to Shomea Ve'ona, Tehillim, and other Hebrew text podcasts, episode 72. The following is the recitation of Psalm 65, a.k.a. Perek or Mizmor Samech Hay. After the recitation, stay tuned to hear more about this Mizmor. Psalm 65. Lamnatzeh Mizmor LeDavid Shir lecha Dumia Tehila Elohim Btzion Ulecha Yeshulam Neder Shomea Tfilah Adacha Kol Basar Yavo'u Divray Avonot Gavru meni. Pisha Enu Ata Techaprem Ashre Tivhar Uticarev Yishcon Hatzerrecha Nish Bea Betuv Betacha. Kidosh hechalacha. Noraot, betzedek. Ta'anenu, Elohe Elohei, Yishenu. Mivtach, kol katzvei eretz, v'yam rechokim. Mechin harim, b'kochov. Nezar Bigvura Maspiah Sheon Yamim Sheon Galehem Vehamon Li Umim Vier U Yoshve Kitsavot Me Voker Va'erev Tarnin. Pa'kadita ha'aretz. Va'tisho kekeha. rabat. Tish rena. Peleg Elohim. Malay ma'im, Tachin diganam. Ki Neha Tilameha Rave Nachit Gedudeha Bir Vivim Te gegena, Simcha Tevarich Itarta Shnat tovatecha Magaleha Yer Afun Dashen Yer Afu neot Midbar Vigil Gvaot Tach Gorna Lavshu Harim Hatson Vamakim Psalm 65 has the word shir, or song, in the first sentence, as well as the last, indicating that this serves as a positive, upbeat recognition of something such as rain after a long drought, and the narrator is singing to Hashem. However, it is important to note that Rav Yaakov Emdin describes how this psalm was instituted to be said originally on public fast days as a supplication, begging for rain when there were droughts. In terms of background, even Ezra says that this psalm may have been produced while David was bringing the Aaron to Jerusalem. Radak takes the approach that being in exile is like a spiritual drought. And this would be singing about the end of that when coming home to Israel. In terms of where and when we see this psalm being said, this psalm is one of the 10 mismorim added to Psuke de zimra during morning prayers in the Sephardi tradition. Some also add this mismor on Sukkot because that is when we start praying for the rain of the year. Also to note, Pasuk Gimel is read towards the beginning of the Slichot prayer, and Pasuk He is said the first time a little boy is brought into the room at a bris, focusing on the first time that a child enters close in the house of Hashem. There is a focus theme on how Hashem is the only address for prayer, and there is intricate description of the beautiful ways Hashem is involved in and runs the world, And finally, the psalm closes with thanking Hashem for the rain in general and in this specific year. There is seemingly this overall message that when we are able to look at the bounty that Hashem provided us through appropriate irrigation, etc., we can appreciate that He runs the world. I want to delve into this aspect of the rain because... If I look at it a certain way, or if looked at a certain way, it can negatively seem like Hashem is taking rain hostage in order to get us to praise Him or do His every bidding, etc., which is not just a bold statement, but a very unhealthy way of perceiving a relationship at all, let alone with God. So how do we better understand that people relate to God through the use of rain? The second pasuk describes God as Elohim B'tzion, God of Zion. When we refer to the God of Zion, we are referring to the God that is integrally a part of the success or failure of the growth of the crops and irrigation in the land. There is an understood direct link between people's prayers and seeing if they were answered, which seems to strengthen that negative perspective we mentioned before. In that same pasuk, it says, Lecha dumiyah Tehila, which could mean yearning for you is your praise, or waiting for you is your praise, or like we saw that word similarly in Psalm 62, silence is your praise. Rashi explains that there is no way we could express all the praiseworthiness of Hashem, and so silence is the best praise. I want to look at another possibility for that dumiyah, for that waiting and yearning and silence. What if it's referring to Hashem, who is doing all those things? Meaning, the absence of taking action is also praiseworthy in certain instances. For example, if someone was deserving of punishment, and instead of getting immediately sentenced to death, they got a fair trial, there is praise that is due in a just system. So, too, if a person was deserving of destructive tornadoes, but Hashem kept the wind silent and waited instead for an opportunity to hear out the person and give a chance for introspection and repentance, that is also considered benevolent and praiseworthy. Okay, but still, why are we at the whims of God anyways, that we need to stay within certain laws and boundaries How does this not take away our freedom of choice? Well, a few things to answer this. First is, what type of relationship do you see God and man having? Is it that of partners, of spouses, of parent and child, of master and Hebrew slave? Yes, to all of them at different times. But ultimately, if you accept that God is God you accept that he is all-knowing and has a leg up on us, to say the least, no matter how else you relate to him. That being said, let's look at the hardest part, the hardest one to grasp, the master and the Hebrew slave, because we are having an issue right now with how withholding rain from us isn't taking away our freedom. My husband pointed out that a Jewish slave is different than our image of non-Jewish slavery, and they are actually an integral part of his master's household, where they will, for example, eat the Korban Pesach along with his master, etc. Yes, compared to God, we are like slaves, subservient, ultimately at God's mercy and discretion, but we are integral elements of the master's household and the very instruments employed by the master to accomplish the work of the household, without whom the master can't complete the tasks at hand, and without staying, w- staying within certain boundaries can cause more harm than good to the whole household. So even this kind of relationship, we can see how God needs us to stay on course for everyone's benefit, including our own we just may not see it so clearly. So what does God do? He creates a simple irrigation system that clues you in if you are getting off course so that you can stay within bounds of what is best for everyone. I'll tell you a personal story that I know sounds controversial because it has to do with withholding hugs from kids. I know, I know. But It's the best way I can empathize with what Hashem is doing here. My girls, when they were littler, used to get out of bed and ask us for just one more hug. Adorable, right? Except it would happen on repeat for hours every night. And ultimately, they ended up going to sleep way too late, which caused them to be cranky, to say the least miss out on anything that was good for them, and get sick easily. And it was this awful, vicious cycle. So, what did I do? Instead of screaming and yelling at them for requesting hugs, I chose the more silent route and explained as lovingly as I could, I love your hugs and really want to get your hugs, but you need to be doing what you need to do and get a good night's sleep. And I'm so sorry, but if you get out of bed for a hug, I won't be able to give you one. And I'll be sad too, but I want to make sure that you are being healthy and taking care of yourself. It took a few times, but they got the message. And with those boundaries and explanations, we're able to make healthier and more understanding choices. This mismore might have been said when people came together in the holy temple, the Beit HaMikdash, and thanked Hashem for a good year of rain and blessing, perhaps when approaching the Beit HaMikdash and acknowledging Hashem's goodness, or where perhaps the person is just getting to fulfill the promises they made. But as we mentioned, it might have also happened during a year of drought or famine. People in Israel, which is an agricultural society heavily dependent on rain, would come together and admit their sins and look internally, not blaming external causes, taking responsibility for anything they might have done. And when the drought was relieved, they would say this as an expression of thanking Hashem. Either way, the rain is an acknowledgement that we are fortunate enough to have a healthy relationship with Hashem. Where we can thank him for helping us stay on track because we feel satisfied with our direction or have a space to recover from our misdeeds and come closer to ourselves and hashem in that space after introspection the holiday of shavuot aka pentecost aka festival of the weeks is approaching and it was originally an agricultural festival marking the beginning of the wheat harvest It's also the time we believe marks the beginning of when we receive the Torah, the spiritual guide to our lives that provides us those boundaries to help us become our best selves and maintain a deep, meaningful, healthy, close relationship with God. Simple coincidence? I think not. Thank you to this week's generous anonymous sponsor. Half the donation will be going to... Uh, donation of a letter in the safer Torah that's being written for M- Rebiton Annette Walk. May her neshama have an aliyah. May we be able to appreciate the safe space we have been given and recognize the difference between boundaries that are helpful or hurtful that were placed on us by others or even ourselves. May we be able to develop into our best potential selves and grow close and meaningful relationships because of said boundaries. The learning and recitation for this episode is Lilay Nishmat John Wartendyke, who passed away this week, as well as in the merit of a Rafua Shalima for Sarah Liat Bat Leah and peace of mind for her family. Stay tuned until after this quick break if there is an episode that you would like to sponsor or if you have any questions please email me at nurse nisa one n-u-r-s-e-n-i-s-a the number one at gmail.com also don't forget to join the facebook group to be aware of upcoming episodes Please subscribe and share. Thank you for joining.